my name is Gerald Morris, and I'm your host to today's podcast. Uh, as background, I'm an adjunct professor of law at the Nova Southeastern University Shepherd Broad College of Law, and I'm a floor, Florida Bar Board Certified Health Lawyer, uh, as well as a former general counsel to Holy Cross Hospital here in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, today, we welcome you to another podcast from the Nova Southeastern University's Geriatric Work Enhancement Program. This program and podcast is made to encourage, enhance, and promote all those fantastic health professionals working with older adults, including those with Alzheimer's disease and dementia, and their caregivers and support systems. In today's episode, we're taking an in-depth look at the role of time-limited trials in the intensive care unit with our subject matter expert, NSU law professor, Kathy Sermonara. Now, Professor Sermonara is a longtime professor at the NSU Shepherd Broad College of Law. Uh, she obtained her JD law degree, magna cum laude, from the University of Pittsburgh and earned both her LLM master's degree and her JSD doctorate degree of law uh, from Columbia University. Uh, Professor Sermonara teaches both at the NSU Law School as well as the HPD programs and has written and lectured extensively on the special legal, ethical, and practical issues surrounding patients' rights and end-of-life decision-making, all of which are highly relevant to today's discussion. So hello, Professor Sermonara, and welcome. Hi, Jerry. Can we start by having you tell us why this topic is uh, important to those who provide care to geriatric patients or manage the affairs of older adults? This topic is incredibly important um, to anyone who provides care to a geriatric person or another older adult who is facing serious health care issues. Being in the intensive care unit is incredibly frightening and confusing and complex when you think of it through the eyes of the patient and the patient's family. And this time-limited trial technique offers another method of communication so that patient-centered care can be improved in that setting. For uh, our podcast audience, would you share uh, what it is uh, that today's health professionals, caregivers, and others uh, need to know about this topic? Sure. Time-limited trials are a form of communicating with a family about a patient, with the patient there if the patient has decision-making capacity, and of course in the absence of the patient potentially if the patient does not have decision-making capacity. It's probably a technique that many of the listeners have incorporated already into their practice in some way. However, now this particular technique of communication is being studied and producing results to um, indicate that it does indeed improve the quality of care. What a, what a time-limited trial, trial would be is that a doctor 
or the entire care team, in all likelihood, would have a conversation with the relevant people who are surrounding the patients, the legally authorized decision makers, the family members who otherwise are taking part in the person's care, other caregivers who have been involved, and discuss whether a particular intervention will be tried. So, for example, if the question is whether to put the patient on a ventilator, right, after a traumatic brain injury, let's say, the discussion might indicate that we would put the patient on the ventilator for a set period of time that the physicians believe should show a certain amount of improvement, and explain to the family why that chosen set period of time is an appropriate period of time, and have the family and the clinicians agree, right, that this is a trial for that limited period of time. That's short, short-term goal, right? See if we can achieve these outcomes within that limited period of time. And then also think about the, the forks, that are going to be coming up along the road, right? So that the patient, should the patient reach that point in time, there will be a discussion, again, about whether the objectives were met or not, and whether certain paths along the forks are appropriate or not at this stage. Perhaps, for example, for another limited period of time. Uh, these these trials that have been formally set up as part of communication studies um, have been conducted in California. They were conducted at three academic medical centers. So this was done with a very diverse population, uh, which um, provides each of those diverse populations provide a unique challenge, oftentimes in communication, and. What had happened was that there was a pre-survey and a post-survey about patient preferences, about what patients believed, right, that would be happening about if they were, if they had capacity, about family members, right, beliefs about what the patient's preference preferences were, and the patient's and the family's satisfaction with the way in which they were being listened to and communicated with. Um, after the time-limited trials, right, the, the research would look at whether the patient's objectives had been met, right, whether the patient's wishes had been followed, and how the family and the patient, if the patient had capacity, believed they had been communicated, in essence, their satisfaction with the process in which that had, this had taken place. Part of that is actually probably based on procedural justice research, which says that if you play a role in decision-making or if you have a chance to tell your story, you will be more satisfied with the result if you feel as if you were listened to and had the opportunity to express those preferences and understand why those preferences might not have been able to be honored. Uh, there was indeed at least some increase in patients' objectives apparently being met, uh, but anyone who, who treats patients in this complex, 
high-conflict setting of the ICU knows that uh, and any any increase in uh, patients' objectives being achieved is uh, is a win. Going forward, uh, Professor, how do you see this uh, as benefiting healthcare involving geriatric patients, and specifically uh, perhaps reducing conflicts in and among family members who are having to make extremely difficult uh, decisions under terrible circumstances, and or the the communication difficulty that can arise between family members and their representatives and, and their healthcare professionals? I think that one of the major communication difficulties has to do with uncertainty, right? Um, medicine is no more certain than any of the other sciences where we are pursuing results and those results may occur, maybe they should occur, but they may not occur. And communicating that uncertainty, especially to a family that may have preconceived beliefs about what should be happening, can be extremely difficult. So these regular structured meetings right, can help integrate that acknowledgement of uncertainty into the discussion. And so managing that uncertainty becomes a little bit easier, right, as, as you are going through a series of conversations. It allows the clinicians to narrow the range of possible outcomes as time goes on and basically titrate that bad news over time, if it's bad news. In terms of uh, clinical care, education, and resources, uh, Professor, uh, what do you suggest that interested parties uh, can do uh, in furtherance of this important subject? So one suggestion that I would have uh, for people at facilities with intensive care units is uh, to increase the education about this type of communication. Uh, We all recognize that communication is crucial to patient-centered care. Uh, Education from the ethics committee for the facility would be great. Education in a continuing education manner would be useful. It was JAMA Internal Medicine that recently published the particular study that I've been describing. It was published in April of 2021, and there was invited commentary on it as well, included with the study, so that it's possible to do some research and learn some of the different perspectives of the people who were involved, in addition to reading the results of the study um, yourself. Well, thank you very much, Professor, and thank you uh, to our audience for joining us today. Please stay tuned for upcoming topics from our renowned subject matter experts.